Hey, everybody, welcome to Founder University. Every episode, we do two talks. The first talk is about getting stuff done. And we're going to talk about three things. These are the lessons you're going to learn. What is time boxing or time blocking and how to effectively use your calendar? The second, how to use the Pomodoro technique to get through your tasks. That's based upon the little uh, egg timer uh, that you may have seen. And finally, how to make decisions when you're prioritizing what's important inside your company, including delegating and getting through your work with the Eisenhower decision matrix. After that, we've got a great talk about how to think about dealing with inflation in your startup from our friends at NetSuite. And this is going to cover how to manage your cash flow, how to think about forecasting, right, making plans. And lastly, how to use automation to save money. All right, let's do the work, everybody. Hey, y'all. I'm Kelly. And in this episode of Founder University, the podcast, we're learning all about time management for founders and startups. As a previous founder myself, I know how hard it can be to wear so many hats. Competing priorities can make for a full day of work and sometimes no real progress. And after 10 years of being an early stage startup founder and operator, I'd say one of my superpowers is working insanely efficiently because I am so crazy about managing my time. Let's learn more about it. On the agenda today, we'll talk about why time management is critical for founders and some common time sucks to avoid. We'll talk about a few proven time management strategies. Then we're getting our hands dirty and implementing a few strategies using my calendar. And then we'll finish up with a few tips and tools that we love here at launch. Let's go. So the goal is to move away from being reactive to these things and really being proactive with your time. One way to do this would, is to work backwards from your North Star metrics. So let's take an example. A North Star metric might be to double your MRR by closing three new customers this month. And let's say in order to close three new customers, you know you need to have nine demos. In order to get nine demos, you might need to send 90 cold emails. And in order to get 90 emails to reach out to, you're going to need, let's say, five minutes each. So five minutes times 90 leads is 450 minutes. That's seven and a half hours. Go ahead and round up to eight. Now, we know that in order to meet that North Star metric of doubling MRR, getting those three new customers, you need to have eight hours of prospecting time on your calendar as soon as possible so that you can start that sales cycle and set yourself up to achieve that goal. Again, taking a look at this example, you can really see how you can work backwards from those important metrics in order to make progress on those goals. All right. So once we've worked backwards from those North Star metrics, you can start designating your time to the tasks that matter. One thing to keep in mind here is something called Parkinson's Law. And that is essentially the idea that work will expand to fill the time available. So if you say, for example, you're going to take an all-nighter to update the deck, it's going to potentially take all night. If instead you give yourself an hour or two on the calendar and you time block, you're more likely going to complete the task in that allotted amount of time. So with that in mind, we're going to learn about a few different ways we can actually do some time blocking. And then again, we'll get these on the calendar. So there's a number of ways to implement time. And we're going to go through each of these, but I want to make sure we understand all of them on their own before we actually go and start to implement them with an example. So day theming is when you assign all or most of a day to one task. An example here might be setting aside an entire day just to have meetings. Or another one here might be to put an entire day towards accounting or really kind of deep thinking work that you need to do. Task batching is when you take smaller, similar tasks and group them together. 
An example here might be a half hour at the start and end of each day to reply to emails and Slack messages, any other communications you get so that again, it's not taking you away from the work you need to do during the day. And our last one here, time blocking. This is when you schedule specific time blocks on your calendar to take care of tasks. Now, this is going to give you a lot of structure, a plan, and really be able to hold yourself accountable to what you've decided to spend your time on. And this is actually my favorite. So we're going to go ahead, jump over to my calendar and get this done together. Here's my calendar. Let's start doing some time blocking. First things first, I've got just a rough outline of how I spend my day. So I always like to spend the first 15 minutes of every day, 8 a.m., planning my day. So you can see I have time dedicated on my calendar to that here already. Then I have an end-of-day recap where I reflect back on what I actually accomplished that day, hold myself accountable, send any messages to the team and manage up to everybody around me so that again, I'm really making sure that at the end of the day, I'm ready to sign off and I feel good about the work that I did. I've also got on here, not only my kind of housekeeping things, I've got lunch and time to pick up my kids. Those are definitely important. Make sure you're taking care of yourself, founders. And I've got our weekly team meeting. So I have a weekly stand-up on Mondays. That doesn't require a lot of prep for me. I also have meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now, these are my big meetings. And I always like to make sure I have time to prepare. So what I'm going to do is actually block this hour, which sometimes is a half hour. Sometimes it ends up being the entire hour for meeting prep. That way, when I go into that meeting, I know 100% that I am ready to give my all and am fully focused on what we need to talk about. I'm going to repeat this. So on your calendar, you can actually go into does not repeat. And then I'm going to have it repeat on Tuesdays and Thursdays since it's the same time each week. And once we hit save, that will show up there. Great. Now, after each meeting, I also like to make sure that I have time to digest everything we just talked about, take some quick actions, and make sure that I'm not losing any of the to-dos from that meeting. So I'm going to put a half hour here for meeting to-dos. And again, this is just a way that I'm able to hold myself accountable, ensure that everything I said I would do in this meeting ends up on a task list or is easily checked off. If it's under two minutes, I like to go ahead and take care of it right then and there. We will repeat this one on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. Now, as a founder, I always like to have any investor meetings, which is if you're fundraising, sometimes a full-time job, and customer meetings in the morning. This is when I know that I am going to have the easiest time for myself. It's when I'm peppiest, my brain is fully turned on. So what I'm going to do is go ahead on Mondays and put a meeting hold. I'm going to use a different color here. Now, the color coding is really helpful. We'll take a step back and look at this at the end. And I'm also going to mark this as free as a best practice. So if you're using a tool like Calendly or any other scheduling tool, there's lots of them out there these days, This is going to, one, be a placeholder. So I'm reminded that this is what I need to be doing there during this time. But when that tool is looking at my calendar, it doesn't actually think that I'm booked and busy. So I'm going to go ahead and repeat this weekly on Mondays. And I'm going to give myself a little bit of a longer window every other day of the week. Meeting hold. And that way, again, I am able to ensure that I have dedicated enough time and that there'll be enough availability on my calendar for these meetings to happen. And if I end up with time in here that I won't actually use, that's okay. I can always reclaim my time and do something else if I am not actually scheduled in a meeting. All right. Now that I've gone ahead and added our meeting holds, I also need time to research different investors and potential customers. 
So I'm going to add an hour and a half every afternoon. It'll be the last thing that I do. And it'll help me hopefully prepare for the next morning. So this will be investor and customer prospecting. And because it's related to those meetings, I'm also going to make it yellow. And I'm going to have it repeat daily. Now, from here, there's a few other things that I like to add to my calendar. One is email. I will put a 30-minute hold at 11 every day to go through email, Slack, any other messages so that I'm not waiting too long to get back to the people that are waiting on me, but I'm also not allowing it to take over my entire day. And we'll have this repeat daily. Then I'm also going to add, again, another half hour at the end of the day. So from 6.30 to 7 for email. Slack and repeat it. All right. One more thing that I like to do for myself just to set up for success is to create some blocks where I have deep thinking time available. These are going, this is going to be dedicated to any tasks that I really need to focus and I don't want to be interrupted. And I want to make sure that I have plenty of time to do that. So I'll do one to three thirty, three days a week. So we're going to say head down time. We're going to color code it as our best practice. Now we're going to have this repeat Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Great. Now we have that on the calendar as well. And you'll see, I don't have every minute of every day actually time blocked. A good practice here is to leave time for yourself for all of the random things that come up. Again, I've got this head down time, but there's also going to be potential follow-ups, uh, you know, fires that happen. This is a startup all <laughs> after all. And you're going to want to make sure that you've got enough time. Now, what I like to do is as I'm working, I'll go ahead and put some of those meetings back in here so I can look back and see where I actually spent my time. But you also want to make sure that you've got some freedom in here to be flexible as well. It is really hard in a startup to know exactly what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, because every day is different, as you all know. All right. Now that we've done the work of going through and time blocking... I want to make sure that we do some day theming as well. So I've got an example set up here. On the last day of each month, I like to go in and have an accounting and an investor update day. Now, this is the entire day that I block for myself so that I am not at all distracted and it doesn't end up taking me an entire week to get this checked off. And a best practice here is not just to block the entire day for yourself, but in the meeting invite, set yourself up for success. Put links to everything that you'll need to access during that time so that you're not jumping into other platforms and getting distracted and then all of a sudden losing time that you anticipated spending on this task. So a couple things you might include here might be an MRR report, a P&L. I have a link to my investor update draft so I can quickly go in and have that readily available to me as well as a link to my deck. Again, everything with time management is about setting yourself up for success and making sure you have time and what you need to really use that time wisely. Now, if time blocking and day theming don't work for you, or you need help with all of the tasks that don't fit into those nice time blocks that can be easily repeated, here's another trick you can try. It's called the Pomodoro Technique. And this is essentially a really easy strategy to help you be super productive in short bursts. So the way it works is, first, you plan your task. You figure out what's on that list. Then you set a 25-minute timer and get started on completing that work. When the 25-minute timer is up, you take a five-minute break, and then you rinse and repeat this cycle four times, and then you'll have a little bit of a longer break because you'll need it at that point. 
Again, this is a really nice way for you to stay focused, to hold yourself accountable to that Parkinson's law of work will expand to the time it takes, but without maybe having an entirely scheduled out day. All right. This form of time management is a little bit less structured and allows you some flexibility throughout the day. So give it a try. See if you like it. And there's also a few online timers that you can use here as well. One is called tomatotimers.com. Another is Llama Life. Now, these are tools that are super easy and free to set up and will have nice features like having that uh, alarm that goes off for you and that timer, as well as sometimes some fun background music and things to help you stay focused. Now, let's talk about managing the work that does not relate to your North Star metrics and maybe doesn't fit into those time blocks. And as a founder, you're going to have a lot of these tasks come up throughout the day, throughout the week. And it is really hard to figure out how to manage all of the work that you need to get done. One of my favorite frameworks is called the Eisenhower Decision Matrix. And you can see it here. It's a really easy way to take a task that comes in maybe unexpectedly and figure out what to do with it. So let's dig in. If a task is urgent and important, you want to do it and you want to do it now. If a task is not urgent, but it is important, you want to decide what to do with it. So schedule a time to actually take care of it yourself or maybe offload it to somebody else on your team. Then we've got urgent and not important. That is something you want to delegate. Delegation is going to be your best friend as a founder. You cannot simply do it all yourself. If it can get 70% of the way done the way you would do it, go ahead and delegate it. Then we've got not urgent and not important tasks. Delete these. You are your own boss. You don't have to do every single thing. Nobody is going to come and cross-check if you you know, tweeted for a third time today. If it's not urgent, it's not important. Give yourself the flexibility to not do that work. And another best practice here to keep in mind is the two-minute rule for small tasks. So if there is a task that's going to take you under two minutes, best practice says, go ahead, do it, check it off the list. You don't need to add it to your mental load and to the task list in the long run. Just go ahead and take care of it if it's under two minutes. Great. We have gone through so many time management tools and tips today. I've got a few last ones here to keep in mind. One is iterate. Be honest with yourself what is working and what's not working. When are you most productive? When are you best on calls? You are allowed to create your own schedule and set yourself up for success. So give yourself some freedom here. If you try something and it's not working for you, jump into another method. Also, be really transparent with your time, not just with yourself and your calendar, but also with your team. One of the best practices is to link your calendar with Slack. There's a few tools that will do this for you. Uh, And that way, you will automatically have your status updated and your team will know if you're in a meeting. That way, they're not expecting a response in 5 or 10 seconds that we've all become so accustomed to uh, in the society we live in today. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. Hopefully, these time management strategies are super relevant to you and you can start applying some of them today. If you have any successes, drop them down in that comment area below. All right, team, and welcome to this session, How to Deal with Inflation. My name is Ranga Bodla. I'm the Vice President of Field Engagement and Marketing for Oracle NetSuite. And really, the focus, though, for today is talking about inflation and what does it mean for all of you? And, you know, I think the the thing is, regardless of where you look, you look in the news, you look at every article, the conversation around inflation continues to change, but it's still a big part of the conversation. You know, we've been talking about inflation now for a better part of the year. For a while there, it was, you know, is this going to stick? 
uh, then it was like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just a temporary thing. And then, you know, it's continued to be a, a big challenge for a lot of companies. And I think probably the biggest thing is the sentiment and how people deal with that. And that's really the focus of this conversation today. You know, when you, when you think about um, inflation and the impact that it's had on the market, it is having impacts on companies. And companies need to think about what are they going to do and how are they going to successfully navigate both the current landscape and the inflation that goes with it. And so the focus of this talk really is on, on four things, cash management, forecasting, automation, and, uh, and really lastly, pure products company, that laser focus on inventory. And, uh, and you know, we go into that, we'll talk about each of those elements. So if you really go to the next slide and think about then this slide two about how are you thinking about cash management? You know, I mean, ultimately, when you start on this notion, cash is king. That is probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, especially now, you know, if you look at where interest rates were six, you know, 12 months ago, very different picture than where they are now. We've got higher interest rates. They're not coming down anytime uh, soon. We've got increased inventory costs, reduced consumer spending. They put that cash flow into question for a lot of businesses. And so, that is a really key element here is how are you assessing your cash flow? How are you getting down to the not just at a very high level, like, you know, what's our cash position and, and what does that look like, but really understanding all the way to very detailed level. Where's our burn? Where are we putting our, our dollars? And we and need to have you need to have an understanding of where that cash position is looking like, because that's going to be really what makes or breaks the companies that that come out of this. And come out the other side and actually not just survive, but thrive out of it. Now, a couple things. Cash flow analysis is going to reveal your working capital, the amount available to run your business operations and complete those business, those transactions. Maximizing your cash on hand. You got to figure out now, identifying ways to reduce your expenses, improve product margins. You know, you've got to at least have 12 to 18 months of cash and debt capacity to cover the, the gap between income and expenses. Um, you know, we don't know exactly how the, the next the next year is going to go. Uh, but we do know this is an important cushion that is going to help you make sense of it all. But that proactive financial management is really paramount right now with the inflationary pressure is the where where it is. And as those conditions change, you know, you got you got to understand where your cash position is right now, not just waiting for a month end. Because things are going to change on a dime. You need to make a decision, you know, hey, maybe is it is it time uh to go and take you know, if there's a if there's a, a sudden funding round that comes available, am I going to go and take that? Is it is there an opportunity to do that? Um, I think that's a really key thing here is making sure you've got access, not just you know looking at this at month end or or after you close the books every month. You got to have access to real time financial data. Make sure you're tracking the right KPIs over time, and you got to have technology that thinks about and tracks your financial health so that you're really looking at what's my cash on hand, where are my top revenue drivers. And, and, and forecasting where you're going so that you really have a, a good pulse on that. Cause not only for you and for your business, but your investors are going to be really looking at that and, and asking for that as well. Now, if you go to the, if you go to the slide, you know, three, really thinking about you've got to, you've got to forecast, then reforecast and then forecast again. Now, I think this is probably one of the really critical ones, particularly, you know, for younger companies that, that doesn't always come up. But I think particularly in times like right now, where we're potentially staring down recession, we're, we're definitely in this inflationary position. You know, inflation, you know, the inflation picture does change and becomes very, it's industry dependent. 
but you have to be willing to change in those unique ways um, as as the inflationary picture changes. I mean, we were we we got the positive surprise on inflation in the last two reports. You know, hopefully that continues. But once you understand that cash flow position, it's time to build forecasts that understand the unique circumstances of your business. And so that again is that being forca- is forecasting, then forecasting again, and then forecasting again. And so part of that is having first and foremost having a financial planning and analysis strategy that you're thinking about scenario planning. You want to be proactive instead of reactive and continually running those what if analysis so that you have those scenarios um, of we'll see how this plays out. You know, maybe maybe attrition isn't going to be as high because people are, you know, they don't want to leave. Um, maybe your 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 wage increases aren't going to necessarily be as high, but you're going to have continued effects of inflation that have impacts in other ways. And so playing out into that. Um, second is thinking about, you know, does it make sense to invest in an FP&A tool? Um, you know, a lot of companies are thinking about that to to help them again understand in real time where the visibility is across the business. Um, so they can understand, you know, projected revenue, operating expenditures, capital expenditures, that cash flow position, and the sales piece of it, and really thinking about all of those pieces together. And, you know, again, as I said, you got to think about it, not just as one one-time forecast or just a, a single forecast, but multiple forecasts and thinking about that um, uh, again and again. The third piece, if you go to the, the slide really about automation. Now, this isn't just about technology. What really this is saying is you got to really think about how, how do we take it? How do we put in position um, things that are going to help you survive longer term? And you know, I talk to a lot of companies where they're thinking about automation helping them in a in a more immediate in the more immediate term, but also in the longer term as well. So you can't just throw bodies at it. That throwing bodies at the problem can get really really expensive, particularly as you're trying to preserve your cash position. A lot of companies are are offering opportunities and incentives to put in that technology and you know and reduce your costs now and you know the you, know, you can negotiate with that. Um, but I think the big thing here is we're still in a talent war and it's still hard to find the right people and find good people to have it. Automation is a way you can help alleviate some of that. Uh, I talked to a company that was you know they were they're they're only hiring revenue generating employees right now. So if you're talking about the the finance office. The only option they have right now in terms of managing growth is automation. And so automation is that is that third lever really to think about when you're thinking about inflation and what you've got there to play. Um, the last piece or the or or what I should say, the um inventory can be an albatross, you know, is this is really uh, this is obviously really important for for product companies, is you really have to think about being strategic with how you stockpile. Now there's some companies that are like, oh yeah, I want to buy product now while product is is maybe cheaper and it's going to go up even more in the future. Um, but just be really careful about that because you can end up tying up a ton of cash. Again, we're going to come back to that cash piece. Uh, if this was a drinking game, you guys would have had quite a few drinks during this. Um, but every time I mention cash, but that notion of of how do you make sure that when you are thinking about inventory management, that you're being very strategic in how you stockpile because. You do want to make sure you have enough inventory on hand to meet that demand, but at the same time, you don't want to over over buy and tie up all of that cash um, in inventory that may or not be able to sell, especially if it's longer tail items that is not going to be an opportunity for you. So the last piece, just to kind of bring all this together in the last slide here on, on slide six, the key takeaways here, you know, cash is king. You have to have a maniacal focus on the cash position. That is really critical. Second, you need to forecast. 
you need to forecast and then forecast again. And I think that's another critical piece is keep on that forecast model so that you really have a good understanding and have position so in case something changes. Third, automation can save costs, but it can also defer headcount. And again, that's going to be another important element here in terms of keeping costs down, managing your cash, and also to help you keep survive and, and come out on the other side in a better position. And lastly, adopting strategic stockpiling so you're not avoid, you're not holding too much inventory. This really caught target, uh, you know, off guard as an example, but I think it applies across companies of all sizes. You really need to think about making sure you're you're putting in place the right amount of inventory that makes sense for the organization. So, lastly, if you don't know who Netsuite is, I know I mentioned a little bit of us in the beginning. You know, we run, uh, we we help run the the business for over thirty two thousand organizations from startup to enterprise. You know, been in business since 1998. Now we continue to operate as part of Oracle and help provide that core finance and accounting function, um, as well as all the the capabilities needed to run a business. And uh, if you want to find out more, you can go to the free product tour at netsuite.com, as well as uh, there there are the inflation asset if you want to have more information. So with that, thank you, and I hope you uh, enjoy this on how to deal with inflation. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. And if you want to see more tactical content, be sure to hit the subscribe button on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. If you want to rate and subscribe, that's great. And if you've got an idea right now, and you're inspired to build an MVP, or an idea that you want to build into an actual company, just apply to my 12 week course founder university at founder.university slash apply. It's free to uh, come to the founder university if you come to all 12 weeks. And we invest $25,000 in the top graduates to help them grow even more. Again, you can apply for the upcoming cohort founder.university slash apply. And if you would like to give a tactical talk here on this pod, you can submit your presentation at founder.university slash submit.